From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday, July the 6th, coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. In recent days, there's been reason to think that this country is moving backward, that freedom is being reduced, that rights we assume were protected are no longer. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America, as we have for over 200 years. That was uh, President Biden at the White House on Monday. While the president and the left are waging their war to snatch the soul of America, American families are feeling the pain of this administration's misguided priorities. A poll released yesterday by Monmouth University finds a majority of Americans say the federal government's actions are hurting, actually hurting them and their families. We'll talk about these misplaced priorities with North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop in just a moment. And near the top of the list of the misplaced priorities is the radicalization of education by the Biden administration. Now, in the process, they're not only radicalizing education, they're demonizing parents. These so-called leaders have tried to make you pawns of their political agenda. Because while you work hard to inspire the dreams and ambitions of our next generation, they dare question your dedication, your motivation, and your value. Then was Vice President Kamala Harris yesterday speaking to the largest labor union in the country, the National Education Association. They had their annual convention in Chicago. Well, what else did the vice president have to say? Well, plenty of empty nuggets. Uh, we'll talk about it with Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. And while families struggle to fill the tank and the fridge, don't worry. The Biden administration is on the job, doing everything they can to protect abortion. As we have said, all options are on the table. Uh, the president is uh, going to do everything that he can from his legal authority uh, to make sure that we're protecting women's freedoms and women's rights. That was the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, yesterday. Well, the White House doesn't want to admit it. The real battle for the souls of children is now for the first time in 50 years. It's going to be waged not before nine justices, but in 50 states. And one of the first states where the citizens will actually have a voice in the matter is Kansas. Voters in the state of Kansas will go to the polls on August the 2nd. I know we've got a lot of listeners in Kansas, so you're going to want to make sure you listen in. There's a constitutional amendment on the ballot. What will that amendment do? Well, Melissa Oden, who is an abortion survivor, now founder and director of Abortion Survivors, who is actually working with the Value Them Both campaign, that is the campaign supporting this constitutional amendment, she joins me later with the details. You don't want to miss that conversation. And finally, a Gallup poll released yesterday shows a decline in the number of Americans who believe the Bible is literally the Word of God. Now, what does that mean? And what is behind this growing percentage of Americans who actually say the Bible is just a collection of fables, of legends, of history and moral precepts recorded by man? We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Owen Strand later here on Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there. Plus, we have resources there for you and contact information for our guest. And I hope by now you have visited Washington Stand, our new online news and commentary from a biblical perspective. You can find it at WashingtonStand.com. 
I mentioned this, uh, I think, yesterday, but registration is now open for the 2022 Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. We're going to hold this year's summit at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And you can register now. Go to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Our verse for today coming from the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is found in Psalm 18. It's verses 2 and 3, and it reads as follows. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Look at this personal relationship that David had with God. You see, God wasn't some far removed supreme being. He was my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my immovable rock, my shield, my salvation, and my stronghold, David said. You see, God is not some impersonal force that we cannot know. Rather, he is a personal God who dwells with us and invites us to know him. To join us in our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. As I mentioned yesterday, Monmouth University released the results of a new poll, which found that a majority of Americans say the federal government's actions are actually hurting them, and that President Joe Biden's policies are not benefiting the middle class. The poll also found that nearly half of the public names either inflation or gas prices as the biggest concern facing their family right now. But do those appear to be the Biden administration's biggest concerns based upon how much actions they are taking on those issues compared to other things like abortion and transgenderism? With me now to, uh, to talk about this and more is Congressman Dan Bishop. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee and a member of the Homeland Security Committee. He represents the 9th Congressional District of North Carolina. Congressman Bishop, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. I'm delighted to be here. Now, I know you've been, uh, the Congress is back home uh, this week and a lot of uh, events going around the district. What are you hearing from your constituents? Well, it certainly isn't about transgenderism uh, or, and, and frankly, what I hear about abortion are people who are grateful that the United States Supreme Court has finally and appropriately taken the court out of the business of deciding the issue of abortion and return that to the people. So I certainly haven't uh, heard the other perspective in the conversations I've been having, but a lot of relieved Americans from those points of view. But But the main thing that's on their mind is exactly what was reflected in that Monmouth poll. And to see those top concerns lined up, Tony, uh, inflation, gas prices, and then even after that, the general economy, way down below that, uh, abortion and guns, it, you know, it's like 5%, 3% of the poll, poll respondents. That ought to tell the, the Biden administration something. All, all we can say is the priorities of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their administration are not the priorities of the American people. Yeah, unless someone just thinks this is political, this is a partisan uh, conversation, we have an ongoing uh, list, the Biden actions document. You can find it at TonyPerkins.com. And just, just, just a just a sampling. On July 5th, the Department of Justice announced it was uh, paying $1.5 million to implement a transgender programming curriculum in all federal prisons. On June 28th, the Biden uh, Department of Health and Human Services announced a five-point plan to promote abortion in response to the Dobbs case. 
June 23rd, the Biden administration announced a new rule expanding Title IX to include gender identity and sexual orientation in women's sports. On April 29th, the Biden administration went to court to stop the enactment of Alabama's law protecting minors from irreversible surgical and chemical transgender experimentation. And that's just the recent top line items. What have they been doing to address these issues that Americans are really concerned about? Filling the gas tank and putting food on the table. Tony, the, their fixation on transgenderism and, and issues like that, but particularly that issue across government, across every agency, you know, it's hard to describe as anything other than obsession. And, they, and then the best that they can do to the contrary on these uh, kitchen table issues of how people get by, which if the federal government is not responsive to that, my word, that, that every person... I think we may have uh, lost the congressman. We're going to see if we can uh, get him back. The reality is Americans are concerned about those issues that, I mean, they're not not concerned about these other issues. They are. But right now, the the issue is with inflation at record levels. I mean, filling up the gas tank. I mean, it is, it, it takes a good chunk of your paycheck just to fill up the gas tank and then put food on the table. And so not everybody, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say the administration is responsible for all of it, but when you look at, we talked about this yesterday with Stephen Moore, that energy prices are a main factor in driving up costs because energy is a part of everything. It's a part of the transportation system, getting food from the field to the, the production to your grocery store to your home. Um, there's so many products today that involve uh, oil, uh, refine, the refineries are involved in that. So all of these things are being, these prices are being driven up by the cost of energy. Now, clearly, it, it is difficult to say this administration is not responsible given their policies, their hostility toward fossil fuels, trying to force Americans into their green energy plan. I think we've got uh, the congressman back. Dan, are you with us? Yep, not able You're to back hear now. Tony. Nope, he's still he's not hearing me now. Now I got uh, you. Okay. All right, All right let's pick up where we uh, let's just pick up where we left off when you you were just talking about the the, the misplaced priorities of this administration. They're just not there there's a fixation. And and uh, let me ask you this question. Because when you and your colleagues push back to this radical agenda, you're the ones that are accused of being focused on transgenderism and on abortion. You're simply pushing back on the advocacy and the advancement of this radical agenda by this administration. It's absolutely true, Tony. And uh, sorry for the technical problems. But, you know, if you think about it, I think back to that hearing in the Judiciary Committee where I asked a question that's being asked by uh, Matt Walsh and by us uh, uh, in the in the Senate hearings for Katanji Brown Jackson. I just asked radical witnesses, Democrats have decided to bring into the committee on abortion, what's a woman? And it, you know, just threw them into a tizzy. One of them gave the predictable answer that it was uh, whatever somebody identifies as and a, a man could get pregnant and have an abortion. What, that lets the American people see how far off these folks are. And uh, it, it's, I mean, it's very discouraging, but they're the ones who are on it all the time. We're simply trying to defend common sense. 
Yeah. Uh, common sense is something in short supply in Washington, D.C. right now. The This fall, voters will have a chance to go and vote. I think, in part, the administration is trying to distract people, but I don't think they can because they're reminded every time they go to the pump, every time they go to the grocery store. You know, my view of this, and I've been around a while, Dan, is that if the Republicans capture the Congress, that's going to bring gridlock, which is actually going to bring stability to Washington, D.C., and box in these crazy initiatives by this administration and may give our economy a, a breather. And there's great value in that, Tony. The other thing that I'm very hopeful about is we're, we're going to bring a very invigorated oversight effort. And so a lot of these things, like you pointed out, what the Bureau of Prisons is doing on transgender issues, we'll be able to dig in very aggressively and keep a spotlight focused on these actions by agencies. And I think that itself will uh, serve a purpose as well uh, by, by uh, discouraging or brushing back the administration from these radical ideas that they're intent on pursuing in lieu of the interests of the American people. I, I think you are absolutely right. I, I cannot wait to have... Uh have the opportunity to cover some of these oversight hearings because I think it's going to be very, very revealing, even more so about the priorities of this administration. Dan Bishop, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Tony. All right, Dan Bishop represents the 9th Congressional District of North Carolina, one of the good guys fighting on Capitol Hill for the things you and I care about. All right, coming up, delegates of the National Education Association have been meeting this week for their annual assembly. Uh, well, just stick around. We're going to talk about what they had to say next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how his word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. This is Washington Watch. Glad that you have joined us on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. The website is TonyPerkins.com. For the past several days, delegates of the National Education Association have been meeting for their 101st Representative Assembly, their first in-person gathering since COVID. And the association's president, Becky Pringle, as well as the vice president, Kamala Harris, made it clear this week that they are infuriated and finished with conservatives and what they've been doing in D.C. and at school board meetings across the nation. These so-called leaders have tried to make you pawns of their political agenda because while you work hard to inspire the dreams and ambitions of our next generation, they dare question your dedication, your motivation, and your value. That, of course, was the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris. Becky Pringle was even more in your face with her comments. We will say gay. We will say trans. We will use the words that validate our students and their families, words that encourage them to walk in their authenticity, to love themselves fully, to become who they are meant to be. And we will say that's why parents need to be involved and remove this type of indoctrination from classrooms. Look, they need to know that conservatives will not stop fighting for this nation and for our children, not theirs, our children. Joining me now to talk about the battle in the classroom is FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies, Meg Kilgannon, who served at at the U.S. Department of Education under President Trump. Meg, thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. I assume you were not at the convention yesterday? I missed it. It seems like they were full of themselves as it was without me. I I want to unpack some of the things that came out of the NEA's assembly, which uh, concludes today. Let's start with remarks uh, of the association's president. We just heard Becky Pringle. Um, She went on to talk about decisions on school prayer that attack religious freedom, vouchers that threaten the right to a universal public education, the long-term devastating impact of the Supreme Court's decision to hijack the fundamental freedom to decide, and I'm quoting, for ourselves when and how to have a family. I mean, all right, I thought they were talking about education in the classroom. What is all this? 
Well, this is the, the, the proof, if there was any doubt left, and, and I don't know how there could be, but if there was any doubt left that, that um, this organization has a left-leaning political agenda that they are very proud of and that they will support to the bitter end, this is it. I mean, this, this, uh, the, her, her speech in particular set the tone for the entire event and the, the business items that they're going through now that, that the delegates have put forward for vote. Um, I noticed in the speech, in the, in the B-roll footage there, not all the teachers were standing and applauding for, for President Pringle when she said that uh, we will say gay, we will say trans. Um, but this is a, an incredibly partisan organization that has a lot of muscle, and they use it on behalf of their friends in the Democratic Party. But is it I'm, – I'm, I'm actually glad that they're out there saying these things, because I'd rather it be open so we can actually look at what they're saying and what they're – I mean, if they're saying this in public, what are they doing in the classrooms? I mean, right. I think this this should be a warning sign to all Americans that – Education is in serious trouble in America. In fact, I think we would be better off, and, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to be criticized for this, but I, I think we'd be better off just pulling the plug on public education, giving kids a book, teaching them to read, and skipping all this other nonsense. Well, I do think we need to be very serious in assessing what it is our public dollars are funding. The dues that are received by the National Education Association come from the salaries of the teachers who pay those dues, and then that money comes straight out of the pocket of the taxpayer. So what you have here is an elaborate sort of money laundering operation that's giving public dollars to left-wing interest groups, and this is not an acceptable state of affairs. But there's this disdain for, number one, elected representatives. You heard this from Kamala Harris, these so-called leaders. And then you, you have a disdain for parents who are getting involved because they don't want their children being indoctrinated with the critical race theory and all this gender confusion that's being pumped into the classrooms. Right. I mean, this, this language from, from the vice president about um, teachers being used as political pawns for our agenda as conservatives. I mean, we watched during the pandemic when our children were used as pawns in the, uh, you know, the, the battle over COVID, the, the politicization that that, that whole situation um, got into. And this, this idea that somehow it's us who are politicizing things. I mean, this is always the the claim, right? But we're just defending ourselves. It's right. the leftist progressive political agenda that's being pushed on children um, at the expense of their education, at the expense of the the math, reading, science that we want them to learn. Um, this is the problem. This is what has so many parents up in arms. And I hope that they continue to make their voices heard. Meg, very quickly, before we ran out of time, I know we were talking about the rhetoric that they use. It's inflammatory rhetoric, and it's, I think it exposes their true agenda. But what are actually some of the things they passed in this assembly that they had? Some of the things they considered are really, really partisan. They had uh, something about the intersection of climate justice and environmental racism, for example, was one of their new business items. They uh, expressed a need to address systemic homophobia and transphobia in the schools. 
And I would say if it's systemic, then that's their problem because they're the ones running the system. And the need to amend or adjust standards in economics and personal finance classes where you think your kid might be safe to include historical reasons for the racial wealth gap in the U.S. This is politics. Yeah. Well, the good news is parents are getting involved in school board races across the country, and that has them scared to death. Very quickly, we've got a resource for parents. Where can they find it? At www.frcaction.org slash schools. Lots there to get involved. All right, Meg Kilgannon, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. Folks, stick around because on the other side of this break, citizens have an opportunity to get involved in the issue of the sanctity of human life. The first state to have a constitutional amendment post-Roe is Kansas. We talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Registration is now open for the 2022 Pray Vote Stand Summit. We're going to hold this year's summit at the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Going to have a great lineup of uh, speakers. Pray, vote, stand. It's an important year, and we want you to join us there. Find out more, go to prayvotestand.org slash summit. Okay, in a little less than a month, Kansas will be the first state in the nation to have the abortion issue on the ballot following the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling on the Dobbs abortion case that overturned Roe and Casey. Now, when voters in the state head for the polls on August the 2nd, they will have the opportunity to weigh in on the Value Them Both amendment 
that will defend Kansas's existing pro-life laws and ensure the state does not become a destination for extreme abortion procedures like New York or California. Here with me to uh, share more about the effort is Melissa Oden, spokesman for the Value Them Both, and she's also the founder and CEO of the Abortion Survivors Network and a frequent uh, guest at FRC events. Melissa, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you, Tony. Thank you. It was great to see you uh, Sunday night at Cornerstone Chapel there in Leesburg, Virginia. You did a great job as always. Um, So let's start. Just give us a brief overview of where Kansas is right now on the abortion issue and what this amendment is all about. Yeah, all eyes are on Kansas currently, Tony. We knew that this was going to happen after the Dobbs ruling came out and Roe was overturned. Uh, But it is really an important time for Kansans, and it's important for people to stand alongside Kansans as they pray and really for our nation. Kansas, their liberal activist Supreme Court in 2019 found a, uh, you know, presumed right to abortion in the state constitution. And what that did was put us in this position, Tony, where every pro-life law passed for decades is now presumed unconstitutional. So this is about reasonable regulation of the abortion industry. You know, if you read the mainstream media and it's picking up every single day, they would tell you that this is a ban. But this is about regulating the abortion industry, whether we have any ability to come to a consensus and pass pro-life laws. Well, and it's also about who gets the chance, who's going to do this. Is it going to be the court or is it going to be the elected representatives of the people? Absolutely. I don't believe that people want people in robes to be making those decisions for the people of Kansas. The the power should rest with the people. And even though the Supreme Court ruling, you know, gave other people across the states, in in many states, that ability to, to make that kind of decision, the people of Kansas have not yet been heard, and they need to be heard on August 2nd with a vote yes. Now, early voting actually starts, uh, I think, in a little over a week, does it not? It does. We are in a really important time. And as you can imagine, Tony, the uh, mainstream media, of course, is putting out all sorts of misconceptions about what the amendment really is and really what even Roe being overturned means. And so it is really so important for you know, folks to become knowledgeable and for people to tune in to, to shows like yours to be given the truth. So I know we've got a lot of listeners in, in Kansas. Uh, the program pretty much blankets the state of Kansas. So, folks, this is an opportunity to let your voice be heard. And as Melissa said, post-Roe, the nation's going to be watching to see what the voters in Kansas. And, you know, Kansas, no offense, folks, but Kansas, they're kind of quirky on some things. Sometimes they're conservative. Sometimes they're not. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that on the life issue they uh, they show up in mass and and support this very reasonable amendment that simply says what the legislature has done stays and they have the opportunity to change the law in the future, not the courts. Absolutely. Think everything from, you know, sanitized clinics to parental notification. Those are reasonable limits on the abortion industry that the people of Kansas should be able to come to a consensus with. And so without voting yes, Tony, we are looking at an unregulated abortion industry that becomes a destination. Guttmacher even was putting out statistics months ago saying they were expecting an over a thousand percent increase in the number of abortions in Kansas. 
since 2019. It, it, We've seen, isn't that yeah, wild? Say, and that's that's the, and that's something that historically Kansas has actually been a destination for late-term abortion. So this is not theoretical. It's very real. And I think this gives Kansans an opportunity to go to the polls and vote, and then they can elect representatives who will take, hopefully, the right position as opposed to judges taking those positions that are oftentimes uh, beyond the reach of, uh, of voters. So, Melissa, where can folks find out more about uh, getting information, sharing this information with their friends uh, about the Value Them Both campaign? Absolutely. ValueThemBoth.com. Follow our social media channels. You know, we've got great ads coming out, really showing people the difference between California and Kansas and medical professionals and others who support the amendment. Well, I mean, Kansas is in the heartland and it should reflect those heartland values. And so uh, I hope that uh, Kansans will turn out in mass pro-life Kansans, Kansans and support uh, again, this very reasonable constitutional amendment. Uh, Melissa, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right. If you didn't catch that, go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. But look, folks, again, I know we blanket the state of Kansas. Talk to your friends. Bring this up. Pastors, you need to be talking about this. The church, and I've, I've been talking to those on the ground there, and the, the support is a little slow. Right, churches need to engage. Pastors need to speak about this because this will really will kind of set the pace for the nation in this post-row period. Okay, so um, get ready. You need to show up and vote. All right, coming up, how do Americans today view the Bible? How has that changed over time? Dr. Owen Strand joins me for that conversation. Don't go away. A lot more Washington What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. All right, since 1976, the Gallup firm has been asking Americans about their views on a literal interpretation of the Bible, whether they believe it is the actual Word of God, meaning to be taken literally, inspired by God, not all to be taken literally. Some, so if it's just inspired by God, but not literal, or simply fables, historical, moral precepts recorded by man. So really three options. Well, the new report published by Gallup today announced that a record low, 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God. That's down from 24% in 2017 when the question was last asked. So what are we to make of this? Is this a trend? What does it mean? Well, with me for this discussion is Dr. Owen Strand. He is a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council Center for Biblical Worldview, author of Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and a Way to Stop It. Owen, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me back on. So let me just ask you uh, your reaction to this new record low that Gallup has reported on, on people seeing the Word of God as the literal uh, inspired Word of God. Total lack of surprise, Tony, sadly. Uh, This is what happens when you have a society and a culture that is intentionally turning its back on the Lord. And you think about how, for example, our children are being being at public schools, and you recognize that, for example, Pride Month has cut through our culture. We have uh, a situation now where drag queens are providing regular entertainment at local public libraries uh, on entertainment venues. Uh, We've got all sorts of programming that aims to deconstruct our faith and indoctrinate our children and all of us really of all ages in in a neo-pagan worldview where there is no God, there is no creator, there are no obligations to a creator. We can live however we want and our desires, our very desires determine our identity, whatever they may be, there's really no right or wrong there. So I'm not surprised that confidence in the Word of God is falling in the polls because adherence to the Word of God is falling in the culture. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because these cultural forces are driving a lot of this, but it doesn't mean that everyone is lost. There is a way to be anchored to the truth, and we actually see this in the polling, that there are those that remain anchored despite these cultural winds that are blowing at uh, hurricane force. But before we do that, let's define some terms. 
because I think some terms are important because they, they use kind of three terms here. They've got those that see the, the Word of God as uh, the actual Word of God, literal or inspired by God, or simply just the writing of men. Now, in the evangelical world, we see the Word of God as, as it is recorded, as inherent and the inspired Word of God, that it is the literal Word of God. So give us some definition of terms so we know what we're talking about here. Yeah, when you talk about inerrancy, that's the common conservative term that is used in many seminaries and many churches to describe what is called the conservative evangelical position. That's the view that the Bible actually is the Word of God. It's not just that parts of it are inspired by God. It's not that it's, uh, you know, really empowering spiritual teaching, but it's not actually what God is saying to us. No, if you're an inerrantist, you believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is actually God's own speech to you from cover to cover, from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation. So that's the most conservative position represented by the Gallup poll. The Bible is the Word of God. And then there's this second category that you mentioned that has the Bible as inspired by God, but that's a pretty broad and generic term. Somebody who doesn't believe that the Bible is actually God's speech to us can say that. They can say the Bible's an inspired book the way that, you know, lots of religious texts are inspired, and it it has some good spiritual and moral principles for life, uh, but you're not supposed to take it literally. You're not to, supposed to think that in Genesis 3, there's actually a talking snake that shows up in the Garden of Eden, for example, or what Paul said in the New Testament about men and women and men being pastors and elders and churches. That That's just a cultural saying. The Bible isn't trying to be God's own speech to us. It's just uh, spiritual men who have spoken and given us some guidance and thoughts on different topics. That's where the vast majority of people in America are, according to this Gallup poll that we're discussing. And that's that kind of middle category that would very much fit the idea that we have transitioned out of a kind of religious culture into a sort of spiritual culture. In a spiritual culture, lots of people respect the Bible. Many people might open the Bible in in a given week or a given month and read a few verses, but those people are not understanding themselves as under the authority of the Word of God, every word being from God himself. And then, of course, there's a third category of people who just don't believe that the Bible is important or inspired or needful, and that category, too, is, is significant, sadly, now in 2022 in America. So, Owen, what does the Bible itself state? Well, there is the question of questions. The Bible presents itself as the very Word of God, breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3.16. So when you're handling the the Bible, you're not just handling a, a book that is written by numerous men over thousands of years. You are handling God's own revelation to you of who He is, what the world is, what sin is, what redemption in Jesus Christ is, and where history is headed. That's how the Bible presents itself. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the Apostle Paul contrasts the Bible, the Word of God, the Scriptures, and he's thinking there in particular the Old Testament Scriptures, with the Word of men. He says, we give thanks that you did not receive the biblical writings as if they were the writings of men, but you received them as if they were the words of God, the very word 
of God. And so that's the Bible's own self-understanding. Sometimes people act as if the Bible doesn't have uh, an opinion on itself, <laughs> to, to use kind of humorous speech. And the Bible does. It has more than an opinion. It has God's own verdict on what it is. It is God's self-revelation, God's speech, all, all given to us so that we would know him. I, mean, I would make the argument, Owen, that if we, if you reject the Word of God as being the literal Word of God, how do you know what is actually left that you can count on? I mean, how do you know that the redemptive story is the part that's actually real? Uh, if you if you reject kind of the sin part or the hell part, I mean, I think the only way you have a full understanding and safety is embrace the full word of God as he states that it is. It is, in fact, his word. Those are the options, Tony. Uh, either the whole thing is God's speech, God's revelation, uh, God's testimony of himself and his ways and his works and what he has done in history through his people, or else you're just doing theological buffet. And you're just slicing and dicing like Thomas Jefferson did hundreds of years ago. You're, you're literally taking a, a pair of scissors and you're snipping out the parts that you, you don't like from the Bible and giving yourself your own understanding of the Bible uh, as a product. That's what lots of people do, though they don't necessarily pick up physical scissors anymore. They, they go to the parts of the Bible that they like. And they say, ah, that's from God. So God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be wealthy. God wants me to have all my dreams fulfilled. But then they get to some of the stickier parts of the Bible and some of the harder truths and the ethical teachings and so on and so forth. And they say, that's a little bit too hard for me to understand. So really, uh, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God himself, it comes down to two options. Either you take God's perspective on the Bible which is that the Bible is the very word of God itself, literally true, uh, and having different genres, of course, like poetry and prophecy, or you take the perspective that really you're the authority and you're true and you're right, including your understanding of the Bible. It's so freeing, Tony, to come to that realization that we are not the Lord and master of the cosmos. God is, and in his kindness, God has spoken to us. And so we don't have to wonder what God thinks or what God wants or what God desires or what God is doing. The Bible tells us that, and that's wonderful. I think you're absolutely right. That's what makes it, so, as you said, so freeing. And, and the truth shall set you free. When you Amen. embrace it, you will be free to know that. Now, I have a hypothesis here, and, and, I, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong or what you think, because you've written on wokeness and how it's infiltrated the church and so I, here's my hypothesis. I think the reason we're seeing this downward trend in terms of those who view Scripture as literal, literally the Word of God is the cultural forces that have really begun to press in on the church because of some of the things you mentioned. They're having to rectify either the Word of God is true and the choices that family members have made about their sexual lifestyle, um, their personal relationship in terms of holiness, uh, what kind of church they're in and the doctrine that's being taught, that if those things are true in the Scripture, then they're out of line with it. So as these pressures come to bear, it's easier just to reject those elements of Scripture and say, oh, all's fine. That's an elite point, Tony, honestly. Um, that's, that's a lot of what drives people 
to reject the authority of the word of God. They're already living the way they want to live. They're already embracing ideologies from the culture. And the Bible very inconveniently clashes with their own self-driven religion and self-driven desires. And so, yes, I mean, you think about this with regard to wokeness. Uh, Wokeness has a whole line of thought. Wokeness is a system. And for example, wokeness tells some people, uh, white people in particular, that they're a white supremacist by nature. And so they're basically kind of a devalued person, really. And they need to bow to the wisdom of other people, people of color. Well, when you go to the Bible, the Bible is absolutely against partiality and, and racism and wickedness of any kind. But what the Bible teaches is that every person is an image bearer, and every person can be redeemed by Jesus Christ. And so that's just one tiny example of a major worldview conflict between these two systems. A lot of people, whether it's a formal body of thought or just live and let the way they want to live, a lot of people reject the Bible because they have a certain way of life already laid out that they have chosen. They are not willing, many people still in America, Tony, to say the Bible stinks. I'm an avowed atheist. No, a lot of people still say, as in that Gallup poll we're discussing, yeah, it's, it's inspired. It's got a lot of good teaching. It's got some good principles and morals and ethics, but they don't want to bow to, to, to Jesus Christ, to his lordship, and they don't want to submit to the word of God because they're not truly born again. So tragically, I think we're going to see more of this in coming days. But some of those stats, by the way, in that Gallup poll indicate that there are a lot of still Bible-believing Christians out there who, by God's grace, love God's gospel and God's word, and they're not giving an inch. And I know those are the kind of people you and I and FRC and other institutions are trying to strengthen. And so uh, we trust that God is not abandoning us, and he's going to keep building his church. You know, Owen, before we run out of time, that's where I want to go to next is, you know, parents, grandparents, and how do we make sure that our children, grandchildren are not in that category of the middle that is on the broad path, but rather increasingly they're going to be standing alone, but they're going to be standing on a foundation of truth. How do we, how do we, how do we accomplish that? Well, something I know you and I believe in very strongly alike is the family. And so um, if a father and mother are modeling love for the Word of God, if they are modeling uh, membership and service in the church, if they are trying, it's not an easy thing to do, but trying to share the gospel, if they're trying to live out a meaningful vocation as God calls them to do uh, in whatever work the Lord gives them, man or woman alike, that is going to have a palpable, powerful effect for many youth. That's my own story. It's not superstar Christianity that we need, Tony. It's normal, ordinary, everyday, faithful Christianity that we need. That's God's primary plan. And so if you have a father and mother who are living that out in a joyful, Mm -hmm. grace and truth-driven way, you got strong local churches with pastors preaching the Word of God unapologetically and joyfully, and, and then you've got this zest for living like, hey, we're not defeated. Uh, King Jesus is going to win this whole shindig. So uh, here we go. Let's let's give some glory to him. That is going to be very attractive and powerful for a lot of youth. So the mandate hasn't changed. There's no Gnostic secret here. We need to keep being faithful, live with grace and truth, and pursue the joy of the Lord. 
Yeah, I mean, going from victory unto victory. I would just add to that, and you touched on this, but I would put a greater emphasis, uh, a kind of an exclamation point on this, is we need to return to a high view of Scripture and that it mm. has to be central to everything that we do in the home. You know, parents, I think, need to be teaching the Word to their children. They don't have to have theological degrees. Just read it. The, the Word through the Holy Spirit will teach itself to us. And pastors, I believe pulpits need to be reading more of the Word and not just picking a verse here and there and building a sermon around it. And I love sermons as a pastor, but the Word, that is what God said will not return unto him void, is his Word. Final word that is, for Mew. Final word for me would be hearty amen, because that's what you just described as discipleship in the Bible. And uh, that reverent zeal for the Word of God, again, it has an effect and one way that that is modeled in in the family's life is a father and mother who submit themselves to the inerrant authority of Scripture by being in it daily, reading it daily, reading it to the family, as you say, and then that's very much reinforced and strengthened in church. So, hearty amen. Owen, oh, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. Thank you, Tony. And folks, I would encourage you to be a part of the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. You can find out more about it about it by going to TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible Parents. It's up to you. Until next time, I leave you with an encouraging word from the Apostle Paul over in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.